Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Do please grab your seat. And uh, we are going to be uh, looking together at Revelation chapter 3, if you want to find that in your, on your phones or uh, in your book Bibles or whatever you use. So this uh, is Vision Sunday, one of the most important and exciting days in our year at Emmaus because... Uh, this is the day in the year when we sort of pause and we look back and we take stock of all that God's done over the last 12 months. Uh, it's very important to take time to remember and uh, to, to, to learn from the past and to celebrate God's goodness. And then we also, of course, pause and we prayerfully look forward and we ask the Lord together, what's next? And uh, it's actually been a process over recent months, various teams, various gatherings that we've paused and we've said to the Lord, what are you saying to us for the coming year? And then we set our budgets uh, for the coming financial year accordingly. And that's why uh, you've got a, a, an annual report that's also got some uh, financials in it that uh, should have been on your seats when you came uh, in. So this is a Sunday, really, when we give ourselves afresh to the purpose of God in us and through us. Let's, let's pray again. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you have given us everything. You've given us life. You've given us family, friendship. We get to live in this beautiful part of the world. We know you. And we just say again, our time is yours. Our money is yours. Our families, our homes, our jobs are yours. And this church is not ours, but yours. This world is yours. Amen. So this time last Sunday, we were celebrating Easter Day, of course, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason we have Vision Sunday is simply because Jesus is alive. And we have to live our entire lives getting our heads around the consequence of uh, the implications that Jesus is around and is on the move. And uh, so Jesus is risen and we say, what now, and I've been amused to see the responses on social media to the, uh, I put this up, those of you here last, last Sunday, uh, this funny uh, banner that was made for a church, meant to say Christ is risen, and unfortunately says Chris is risen, but I've been amused by your responses on uh, social media. Someone called Chris Stone responded saying, Chris is risen indeed, but he is still in his pyjamas. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but my favourite was uh, Quinn Delport, who, as you know, with his family, is in the process of moving to Ibiza with our whole team there. And he said that um, at uh, St Mark's Battersea Rise, they 
had a um, carpenter who came to fix some doors uh, for them, whose name was Chris. And um, on one famous occasion, the facilities manager sent an email to the vicar, Paul Perkins, and the email said this, unfortunately, Christ the carpenter has decided not to return. We will have to find someone else. Um, Well, the good news is Jesus is alive and he is returning. There is no plan B. We don't have to find someone else. And our whole lives are imbued with a sense of importance and urgency, a vision, because Jesus is alive and on the move and he is coming uh, back. Christ the carpenter is returning indeed. And um, he's given us a vision. Our vision process every year at Emmaus is actually incredibly simple and I think quite uh, exciting. Uh, It simply works like this. We listen to God and say, what do you want us to do? Then when he speaks to us, and he always does, we make a plan, how are we going to do what God's told us to do? And we cost it. And then we come to you and we say, this is what we think God's saying. Uh, This is how we think we might do it. And this is how much it will cost. And if you think, yeah, we want to see that stuff happen, you give. And every single year since we were a tiny little group in the back room of a pub, we have grown through that process. And people have been incredibly generous, not just with their money, but with their time and especially with their prayers. And uh, so uh, if you're new here or uh, if if you need your, your memory refreshed a little bit, Just over the last few years, in 2014, God spoke to us about tents. He said, uh, extend your tent, Isaiah 54, verse 2. And we thought, what on earth does that mean? But that word came to us from several different sources. And we thought, okay, we need need to think about how do we kind of spread out a little bit here. And we started new services, new collectives. We began to develop a sort of regional strategy. Uh, 2015, it wasn't tents, but God spoke to us about nets. Some of you will remember. The word came, strengthen your nets, because we were growing fast, and there was a significant risk that the nets could rip, and we could lose a bunch of fish. And we thought, what on earth do we do about strengthening our nets? And we realized we need to invest into uh, leadership. That was one of the areas in which we could strengthen our nets. And we were so thrilled that Bill and Nikki Kuzak uh, moved here with their family uh, to become absolutely at the heart of the whole church and life is unthinkable without Bill and Nikki but aren't they amazing that that bit of paper that's thanks to lots of people but especially Nikki and doesn't Bill lead everything well just give him a round of we love Bill and Nikki that was that was part of responding to that word about strengthening our nets but that year we also uh, Uh, took out a lease on the founder's studio. And I've often reflected how amazing it is that long before we knew that we would be meeting in this theatre, God seems to have known because he gave us sort of the church hall. You know, he gave us the founder's studio right opposite the front doors. And now we have this amazing kind of uh, campus around here. And um, also, that was when we went from going doing Alpha once a year to every single term because we thought we want to create a culture of mission and inclusion and hospitality. Uh, So uh, that was 2015. Then last year, it wasn't tents or nets, but God spoke to us about boats. And uh, this time it wasn't through a scripture, it was through two different people having an identical dream. 
in which, and it's a pretty amazing dream, as you know, uh, both Bill and Liz had the, this dream in which they saw a rescue boat being pulled through the streets, and there were people drowning in the water, and God was saying, it's urgent. The rescue boat I've given you is not to be uh, admired. Launch out. People are drowning. Rescue people. And we took that very, very seriously and said, oh my goodness, we're in danger of just building a church. Everyone sort of applauds and says, but we've got to get out and make a difference. How do we uh, do that? And uh, when I preached about that this time last year, I showed you this stunning picture. This is from 1890. And the Salvation Army put their entire vision into a poster. I love the Salvation Army. So innovative. And, uh, and, and this was their dream. And you see there's a rescue boat there. And people are drowning in the sea. And they're being pulled out of the sea. And then they go into, I mean, the language is a bit dated. But give them a break. It's over 100 years ago. Into the city colony. And then the farm colony. And then the colonies overseas, and uh, there's homes for the homeless on there, and homes for fallen women, uh, <laughs> and for ex-offenders. There are farming communities. There are lawyers and banks for the poor. It is a stunning vision, so much more than just become a Christian, say sorry for your sins, or attend church the rest of your life, and then pop into heaven. It's how are we going to change the world? How are we going to reach people? How are we going to rescue and renew and restore and redeem and revive the culture? And there they are putting it in picture form. It's good, isn't it? We actually tried to buy you all a copy of the poster of that uh, just to sort of entirely cover your uh, fridge, but we couldn't. So, yeah, just feast your eyes. And the great rallying cry, therefore, last year as we thought about boats, rescue boats, was prayer and the poor. And uh, we, we've tried to obey that over the last uh, year. Uh, as you just heard, right now we have a team on an aeroplane off to Cambodia. Uh, where the, 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 the work there is just extraordinary amongst some of the poorest people you can imagine, former Khmer Rouge strongholds. And they are planting churches that are multiple at incredible speed and doing every form. I mean, anything you can see on that diagram, pretty much, these guys are doing. They're farming, they're educating, uh, they're, they're, you know, HIV awareness, microloan schemes. We've got so much to learn, which is why we've got Chomno from Cambodia came and we interviewed him here last year. And, uh, uh, you know, they've asked us to go and train them in Alpha because the church is growing so fast. It's not a problem getting people saved. That's easy. But how do you teach them the basics of the faith when people's background is mostly either atheist, Buddhist, or Hindu? And uh, so we've got the team going uh, there right now and Hudson and Alaria as well who are out there for um, six months. And so, um, you know, it's not just Cambodia. You all know that three weeks ago we commissioned Dave and Liz Slynn uh, who are taking a team to plant a church in San Antonio, Ibiza. And, uh, you know, the slight dangers go, Ibiza, how nice. Ibiza is arguably the toughest, darkest mission field in all of Europe. It was a place where people said your churches just cannot uh, flourish. It, 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 it's the most wonderful, beautiful, creative place. It's a place where there are very luxurious elements and places where very rich people live. But the Daily Mail was calling it Sodom and Gomorrah because of the 
utter debauchery, the massive drug abuse, the massive rape culture. Uh, you know, we've had to train our missionaries over the year how to, you know, you only drink bottles of water and you always put the cap on. Why? Because otherwise Rohypnol is going to be put in your drink and you're going to be unconscious and wake up in someone else's bed. It is a desperately broken place. And uh, who would have thought that when Liz received that dream of a rescue boat being pulled through the streets, God himself was about to call her. We had no idea this time last year. And so the Slins have gone, and as you know, when they went to spy out the land, uh, they sat in a cafe in Ibiza in San Antonio, and they saw the rescue boat. By the way, if you don't know Jesus, your brain's about to get fried. They saw the rescue boat that she had seen in her dream being pulled through the streets weeks earlier, and thought, oh, uh, uh, this is God. And so they're there now, and some of you uh, are, are off there, Bev and Jonathan and the, the Patworths and all sorts of people. And I think we're going to have a team of 14 adults and 11 children. Now, we've already got the chaplaincy with sex, sex workers, the chaplaincy uh, in, in the prisons. We, we've got the street work, the ambulance service that we run, uh, all sorts of the work with the Romani community, Danny and Liddy out there. But we need to plant a church right in the middle of it to make it sustainable and biblical, frankly. And so uh, Dave and Liz and the team are going to do that. That's a pretty radical response to God saying, launch rescue boats, give away your best, don't just admire the thing, you know, and engage with the poor. Uh, that's something that's happened this year as we sought to obey God through your generosity. Meanwhile, here on the home front, uh, prayer on the poor. We, we've had more than 1,100 hours of prayer in the prayer room over the last year, and that's just that aspect of prayer. There's much else. Uh, you've seen lots of the stats flash up on the screen, uh, but if we just take one from the, the youth work, which is exploding, 400 one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions with young people in local schools uh, through the last uh, year. And um, our family outreach work, we, we've scaled it up. More hampers, more people going on our, our holidays, uh, more uh, the, the new school uniform uh, initiative. And I love that quote uh, of the, uh, the, the child saying, I can't stop staring at my new shoes. They're clerks, don't you know? And she's going back to school uh, with a little more confidence uh, because of the footwear that she's got thanks to you and your uh, generosity. And um, over the last year, the church, this, this community grew by about 25% at a time when apparently the church is meant to be terribly worried and in decline. What we find is people just realize that Jesus is good news and community is good news and uh, things are growing. And what you know, some of our critics say is, oh, they're all just transferring from other churches. It's not the case at all. One in every seven people in Emmaus did Alpha in the last year, uh, which, to put it another way, it means 12% of this church is either new to faith or is really finding their feet in faith or hasn't yet come to faith. Uh, but is seriously open to things. That is a very high ratio. The gospel is working and advancing. I had a prophetic word sent to me this morning by Mike Andrea, who's a dear friend, who pastors a church down uh, in Thanet. And he was praying for us this morning. And he said this, Emmaus Road is not called to shadow box. You are called to be premium contenders for people's lives and the communities that they live in. 
And uh, so we, we, we don't want to just admire the rescue boat. We don't want to just shadow box, play religious games on some religious conveyor belt for the rest of our lives. We want to make a difference. We want to launch out. And we, we, we can dream of the sorts of things the Salvation Army did. Well, why not dream for, uh, you know, special lending schemes and for legal help for the poor and for homes and for hospitality and for lives getting changed, the most broken people in the world rescued and healed up and finding their destiny and sent out to make a difference in the lives of others. Why not dream about cycles of addiction getting broken? Why not dream about marriages lasting and children growing up within that environment? Why not dream about people not just being rescued from human trafficking, but becoming the great political leaders of our age, speaking out on behalf of the poor and the oppressed? Why not dream about people going to every sphere of, of the culture, unashamed of the good news of Jesus? Why should you be ashamed to stand for the name of Jesus in our culture when he is the answer to the greatest desire of every human heart? Our culture is unthinkable without the God we have been shaped by the, by the gospel. The, the words of the Bible are inscribed on the central lobby between the House of Lords and the House of Commons. Uh, our constitution is based on the words of the gospel. In every village, in every town, you'll see a spire. The gospel has shaped the very way that we think. This nation belongs to Jesus Christ. If we're to be united as a kingdom, it'll be the kingdom of Jesus Christ ultimately. So let's not be ashamed of his name. He is the hope of the nations. Let's go out and work out with all the imagination we've got how we make a difference in the world. Amen? Okay, as I always say, if you can't get excited about this stuff, you're dead. Okay. I just gave you a bunch of stats and you trouble with stats. We go, oh, it was very nice, very nice, 400 uh, one-on-ones in schools. Let me give you one story, and uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, two people who've been really changed by Alpha this year are going to come and tell their story. So Jason and Mandy, come on up. And Ben as well. Fence and Sammy, do you want to come as well? Come on. No, okay, you stay there for now. Um, come on. Come, don't worry about your bit of... We don't need you, but... You, uh, so, so th this, this is Mandy, this is Jason, and this, this is Ben. So good to see you guys. Now, Mandy, uh, first of all, just tell us a little bit about um, why on earth you guys all came and did, did Alpha this year. Well, it was only going to be me after Fenton and Sammy. Um, and really, I um, came, came to see what all the fuss was about, because I did Alpha... 20 odd years ago and it was boring <laughs> it was really boring um <laughs> no 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 good. Stay, stay with us don't don't leave at this point please <laughs> anyway when Fenton and Sammy did it before us um I used to get a phone call every next day he's at Fenton going oh it's great we did this we did this so I thought right I've got to go and it is. It is really great. I felt... So you were dragged along by Fenton and Sammy? Fenton, really. Come on. Fenton and Sammy, come on up. Come on. You know you, know you want to. This is, this is how the Lord works through families. Fenton and Sammy, come on up. <laughs> so this is Fenton, obviously, here. Fenton, you, you, you dragged your mum along, effectively, and Sammy. Yeah, so, so then what happened? Um... 
Ben came because he didn't want me to travel all by myself from Woking to Guildford. The first day... That's very, that's very nice of you, Ben. <laughs> the first day, I nearly wanted to push him out the car because he moaned and he groaned. <laughs> and I thought, what is the matter with him? Um, sometime later, when we got to Alpha, I realised what the matter was. He didn't actually want to be there because he thought there were going to be all these old people telling him what he had to believe. Anyway, when we left, he said, oh, we go next week. <laughs> and then the next week, Jason came. Amazing. Jason, why did you decide to go? Because I lost my faith. You'd lost your faith. So you used to believe and you lost it. What, where did it go? What happened? I was in base. I was about 12 years old in front of Congress, about 400 people, and the vicar embraced me. So I was the only one who knew the answer to what he was asking. Yeah. And I just wanted to see, see what was all this crack about Alpha was. So, so, so you, you came along second week. What did you think of it? The most interesting course I've been on. That's wonderful. And, uh, and then, Ben, you, you uh, I don't know how we do this. Ben, you, you, um, so, so you, you thought it was going to be full of old, old fuddy-duddies, like my wife there. Um, <laughs> and, and tell me, what, in, what, what sort of impacted you? Um, it really impacted me because uh, how I came to faith was through the British Army. Uh, a padre called uh, Norman, um, an Irish Catholic, so... Uh, pretty similar there, and um, I used to go to church service every single like time that I got forced, and then I started to want to go and started wanting to believe, and then what sort of impacted me to come was that my mum was going, and then I decided to sort of follow along, obviously with a bit of hesitance, and then all the answers that sorry all the questions that I had, I, every single session answered every single question that I had. And it just really motivated me every single week because I'd go to my mum, oh, I, I wonder what we're going to talk about. And then I had this question and then without even asking it, it was answered. Amazing. And um, so, so I'm going to ask you all the same question, okay, which is uh, what difference has Jesus made in your lives? So Mandy, do you want to go first? <laughs> I, I just find I'm a lot more confident. I, I lost my confidence. Um, most who know me sort now, <laughs> I wouldn't have stood up on the stage and I feel more confident and I want to help again in the community and I, I'm quite happy to put um, that I've been to church and whatever on Facebook. I, it doesn't bother me anymore um, because I was very hesitant but People have been really good and quite happy. Amazing. So Jesus is restoring your confidence. Jason. It's a new adventure. I love that. It's opened the door. And anything goes. Anything goes. He reads, sorry. He reads the Bible now. It actually interferes with his playing time. And anyone who knows Jason, he plays an awful lot of Xbox. So the Bible, the Bible is occasionally even more exciting than Xbox. Yes, it is. Who, who knows? Who's praying that for their teenagers? Um, okay, Ben, what about you? So it's made a big difference in my life because uh, 
when my dad died, I stopped believing in uh, Jesus Christ, and um, I started looking for things to blame on, and then Jesus came into my life and renewed my confidence, gave me uh, confidence to be who I want to be, and that's why I left the British Army, is because I refused to, um, well, I know they do a lot of God, but I refused to uh, kill, and that's why the reason why I left the British Army is because um, I was actually um, sort of forced to a corner, um, and uh, Jesus gave me the strength to carry on and complete my training, but then I left. Amazing. So Jesus is making a profound difference in your life. Uh, that's uh, amazing. Fenton, Sammy, I'm sorry to, to land you. Fen Fenton, come on. What, you've done this before. You're an old-timer at this. What difference has Jesus made in, in your life? Um, Jesus made a big difference in my life. He's everything to me now. So, yeah. It's an amazing thing to say. And Sammy. This, I mean, it's sort of all whole extended family here and, and coming alive spiritually. What, what, what difference has Jesus made for you? Well, I think I'm the odd one out because I never actually believed at all. Well, like growing up with um, basically a whole atheist family. So to then obviously, because Fenton had faith anyway, but then he lost faith when his dad died. Um, and me and Fenton have been through all sorts, so. Um, and then when we got involved with family outreach, and then obviously uh, Liz was actually the one that told us about here and said to come along and see what you thought and everything. And ever since then, we've, we actually did the Alpha course probably about four weeks after coming here. So for Fenton, it probably wasn't you know, because he had faith anyway. For, but for me, I was open to, like, learning and everything. And, well, then Alpha just kind of changed everything. And, you know, there's people here that know something that's going on at the moment. And I believe it's because we're now involved with Jesus. I love that. Just give these guys a round of applause. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Well done, all of you. It's brilliant. Stunning. Okay, let's just look at the Bible passage together, shall we? Uh, Revelation 3, verses 7 and 8. So this is um, God speaking to uh, the, the church in Philadelphia, which would be modern-day Turkey. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. God says to the church in Philadelphia, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And that is the thing we really sense God speaking to us about the coming year. Uh, we've had tents and nets and boats, and now for this year it is doors, open doors, because we sense that we're stepping into a season of extraordinary opportunity. 
doors have opened for us to plant two churches in 2017. Uh, we've just sent the team out, uh, and some are still in the process of going to Ibiza, and we've talked about that, but also, as many of you will know, uh, more locally into uh, Woking. And um, we, we sense that what's happening is that we are becoming a church-planting church. And so I've been thinking a lot about a church in the Bible called, uh, in a place called Antioch. And it was, it's fascinating, and we haven't got time to go into it, but if you do a study on the church in Antioch, it's where the, the disciples were first called Christians, as a nickname. It was a church for the Gentiles. We could talk about that as a church for the unchurched. It was a sending center. It's where Paul and Barnabas were sent out on three different missionary journeys, and they would come back and report in. It was a prophetic community. You was getting prophets uh, just sort of showing up and sharing, uh, here's what God's saying, and it would affect them. They were a generous church towards the poor. And uh, I just sense that there's a call on us as we grow, not just to get bigger and bigger, but to give away, to bless the poor, to go and reach uh, families that don't yet know about Jesus unless we go. And uh, this is a, an extraordinary open door for us. Woking uh, is a great opportunity missionally. There are almost 100,000 people in the borough of Woking, and 95% of them are nowhere near a church, uh, a church today. And uh, so we're not in any way interested in you know, fighting over the 5%. We want other churches to thrive and grow and prosper. But there is a colossal uh, mission field uh, there in that context. And we'd love to play some small part in reaching people. It's an interesting place culturally. The very first mention of Woking in any written history comes from the 8th century and it was as a monastery. So here we have a place that its first ever written record was as a house of prayer. Uh, it was uh, um, also where the first mosque in this country was built. It's uh, where Paul Weller is from and wrote uh, a town called Malice about Woking, but we won't go into that right now. Uh, it's where H.G. Wells was based, as you probably know, when he wrote War of the Worlds. The Martians didn't actually land in Manhattan, as Tom Cruise depicts in the Hollywood uh, version, but actually in Woking is where the Martians first uh, landed. So you heard it here first. And um, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating place. But we actually sense this isn't just a good idea, that this is a God idea, that it's a door that he has opened for us. And we had an extraordinary moment Sammy and I have been friends with Eric and Rebecca Jesperson for uh, several years now, who um, pioneered Woking Vineyard Church uh, 20 years ago and planted with just a, uh, a very small group of people and have grown and done the most extraordinary work over two decades in Woking. And so uh, we, we talked to him and said, look, we're wondering if you know, we should think about planting something in Woking. Um, numbers of people at Emmaus coming here from Woking. We want to help them reach their neighbours. Um, but we don't want to do it in any way that would cut across what you're doing, undermine, detract, compete. That's not our heart. Um, would it be helpful? What, what could we do? Where would we need to go? Where, where's the need greatest? And um, that provoked a, a, an extraordinary conversation uh, with the Jespersons. 
Uh, and they ultimately just said, do you know what, why don't we just do it together? Why don't we just become part of you guys and let's plant something together? Obviously, for those who've been there for years, it's a sort of renewing, fresh impetus moment. And then for those from uh, here who are going to go and join that team, it is a full-on uh, church plant. And that wasn't what we'd expected at all. But I do believe the Spirit of God is doing something this time where there's a, a unity, a desire just to work together for the gospel. And so conversations began, and, and Eric and Rebecca's phenomenal sort of just kingdom attitude just rippled out, and their leadership team said, yeah, we think this is right. And then we've had lots of meetings with members of, uh, of Woking Vineyard, and they've said, yeah, we're up for this. They obviously had questions, but we're up for this. And uh, then they talked to the sort of uh, senior regional and national leadership in, in Vineyard. And, and right sort of to the top of the structure, they all said, we think this is the Lord. And so um, we'll be planting Emmaus Road Woking in September. And um, uh, right at the heart of that, we're going to build on the extraordinary foundations that um, Eric and Rebecca have planted over those 20 years. And one of the most amazing things... Um, that they have done uh, is establish this incredible ministry called The Lighthouse. And um, it, it is reaching all sorts of people. And it's really a little bit like that Salvation Army poster I showed you. Uh, so I just want to show you a little video that Eric... Where, where are Eric and Rebecca? Where are you? You're here somewhere. There. Stand up. Let's give these guys... Isn't that a phenomenal... Aren't they amazing? Shouldn't we honour people who... <laughs> pioneered and planted and led through seasons and have this kingdom attitude. We love these guys. It's brilliant. So Eric has put together this video. So some of you have been and had a look, but I just want you to see what's going on with the lighthouse. And I want you to feel this and get excited about this and think what else might we do. So take a look at this. The streets are paved with stone. It's just amazing, isn't it? Just the scale of what they are doing to change so many lives. And, and uh, you know, they've won just amazing favor right across from the, the, the imams and church leaders and the mayor and everyone. It's just the most phenomenal a taste of the kingdom of God. And I'm absolutely thrilled to say that Eric and Rebecca are going to become our heads of social transformation, not just building and growing and developing the lighthouse, which we want to throw everything we can at. We want to bless that. We want to see that just go from strength to strength, but also helping us think, can we do things like that? Maybe over here in Guildford as well. And how can we uh, increase what we do uh, for those who are struggling? and broken and finding life very, very uh, difficult. And uh, they have just got extraordinary experience and wisdom. And uh, we, we're just sort of overwhelmed, really, that God has raised them up and brought them uh, right in through an important process uh, into this uh, family. And then um, also we um, are thrilled to tell you that uh, we found the most brilliant couple who are going to lead the uh, church plant team. 
um, and we will be introducing them to you in due course. Uh, their names are uh, Josh and Emma Heather, and um, they uh, currently uh, are based uh, with a church down in, in near Southampton, and um, Josh is indeed Adam Heather's older brother, uh, and uh, you know, Josh is just an amazing leader. He was sensing the Lord really calling him on and um, had a sort of encounter with God whilst bizarrely looking at Facebook at Christmas and just sensing God was calling them to really come and be part of things uh, here. Uh, Josh is a natural sort of evangelist. He's the sort of guy who prophesies over the waitress and gets out and prays for the people in the street. But he's a seasoned, experienced leader. Uh, and um, Emma is just phenomenal. She works with a number of charities. And uh, they've got one little son, Jackson. And uh, we, we can't wait to introduce them. I, it's a, it was a unanimous decision. When Bill first met them, he said, if we don't bite their arms off and persuade them to come, we're missing something. These, they are, I mean, it's, they are beyond amazing. And uh, the Jespersons are excited about them coming in. So we're going to launch church plant training at half term. And some of you guys do pray about whether you want to be part of the church plant into Woking. Um, and uh, where do you guys live? Yeah, Woking. Oh, okay. Um, exactly. There you go. Something beautiful happening here. So, Look, we're going to respond now. There's just uh, there's, there's three ways that uh, we can all respond to the open doors that God has put in front of us. The first key is prayer, because this isn't just some franchising exercise. This is a real spiritual battle. Ibiza is one of the hardest mission fields in Europe. Woking has colossal uh, need. And uh, the picture, by the way, here, that's, this was yesterday in Bloemfontein in, in South Africa. Uh, 1.7 million people gathered to pray for South Africa uh, yesterday there. The most extraordinary, look at that. That's a prayer meeting yesterday. And uh, God is doing something in the nations, calling his people to pray. Actually, Josh Thomas is somewhere in that crowd. It's like, where's Wally? If you can spot him, he might be the one white face, actually. It might be easier than we think. Uh, but... but um, God is doing something in prayer, and he's calling us. I know many of you are feeling a call to intercession, a call into the prophetic, and that's why uh, we're launching uh, another season of 24-7 prayer today. Uh, so do sign up. It gets harder and harder to get slots, so get in that prayer room. Uh, but also, uh, Bill uh, and the team are, are launching this school of prayer and the prophetic for those of you feeling called to this, to go deeper in this area. Um, but as well as people, the second great key to stepping through, uh, as well as prayer, the second great key to stepping through the door is people. Uh, we need clearly people. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, that's prayer, the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so today we are asking the Lord, but we are also asking you, is this something that you could be part of? Could you begin to pray about, you know, is he calling you to, 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 to maybe be part of the work, Woking Church plant? And um, it was so moving, Bev and uh, Jonathan standing there three weeks ago, who are going to Ibiza, uh, sort of at retirement age. Uh, Jonathan had a 
very, very good job. Uh, they've lived in the same house for 30 years or something. And they said, we just wanted an adventure. And we found we could be useful in Ibiza. We've been praying for years for older couples to go there and be like parent figures to all that's going on. And they're an answer to prayer. Is God calling you? Or is God calling you to stay? One of the exciting things about church planting isn't just the people go that get to try out, you know, growing in leadership and, and finding their own ministry, getting their own space to lead worship or to preach or to prophesy or to pray or to you know, share their faith or to run Alpha. But those who stay, suddenly there's more space for everyone to play with the toys and have a go at things. And it's a real calling to stay as well as to go. But what is God saying to you? We desperately need volunteers right now in kids and youth on Sunday mornings, in our discipleship groups that we run for young people during the week. And also, Nikki was saying, we, one, of the, one of the great needs we have right now is just people who would be ad hoc volunteers. You say, look, I don't want to commit to one particular team, but I want to be generally available. You f- here's my number. Feel free to call me when you have a particular need for a particular thing. And so you might like to respond by giving time, by pledging time. And thirdly and finally, of course, to step through this open door, as well as prayer and well as people, we need pounds, we need money. And, uh, you know, it, the Bible talks about money very regularly, much more regularly than we do. We get embarrassed about it. But um, we are, we're, we're, we're called to be generous people, to remember that our money is not ours, it is God's. As the church grows, so do our costs, inevitably. Um, and so, for example... This will be our first full year in this venue, which is much more expensive than our last venue. And uh, it, it's been, it feels like home already. And uh, we, we're thrilled with the venue. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we grow, we need to increase money for bursaries, for example. We want everyone to be able to come to Focus and, and, and things like that. We don't want money to stop people coming. But uh, we, we need to invest more into social transformation. Um, but we also need to ra- raise additional funds for the new vision, for the church planting and so on. And so hiring of new staff, blessing and supporting the lighthouse, uh, continuing to save towards a facility. Some of you have asked me about that. We still, we have the money. If you've given money towards us one day getting our own home, it's still there. We're not touching it. It's, it's safe. Uh, and, and we do believe that, you know, as we move into church planting, actually the need for a hub, a mothership, a resource center becomes greater, not less. And so we're not backing off that. And in my head, I thought we might get ourselves a venue before we started church planting. But God had other plans. And, you know, the Ibiza thing came out of nowhere and we just felt we had to obey this amazing favor around the Woking plan. But uh, that is uh, uh, definitely still part of what we're, and we, we all know that it's not cheap around here. And so we are continuing to save as well towards that. And on your bits of paper, you've got more information. Um, so I won't go on. Let's finish with this. I showed you that lovely Salvation Army picture. And um, Bill, being the discerning type he is, pointed out that a year ago, because God was speaking about rescue boats, we looked at this picture prayer in the poor. And Bill pointed out, have you noticed in the economy and the foresight of God what is right at the center of the picture? So let's have the next slide. A lighthouse. We had no idea a year ago that God was going to 
open this extraordinary door with Woking and Ibiza and with the lighthouse and this longing to rescue people and to pull people out of the sea and to help them rebuild their lives. God has placed before us an open door that no one can shut. This is, I think, a moment of great opportunity for us as a community. It's extraordinary that we can make a difference together by giving our time and our money and our prayers in the lives of people like Jason and Mandy and Ben and uh, Fenton and Sammy, that we can make a difference in the lives of that, like that little girl with her new shoes. Open doors begin with open eyes. And maybe God's calling you today to see the world as he sees it, to renew your commitment to prayer, to seeing the harvest, to seeing the battle. Open doors begin with open hearts. Maybe God's calling you to renew your commitment to serve, to go, to volunteer. And open doors begin with open hands. Maybe God is calling you to renew your commitment to give today. Uh, at this time of year, always, Sammy and I sit down and say, how can we increase our giving? Some years it's by a little, some years it's by a bit more. We're determined to be generous and sacrificial with what we give. And uh, our primary giving is always to the local church because we believe the local church is God's primary strategy for the world. 2.3 billion of us clubbing together, what could we do? And so um, in a moment, I'm just going to hand back to Bill and we're going to take some time to prayerfully uh, respond to this invitation to celebrate all God's done over the last year to stand and stare out through this open door he's put before us. And then to very personally, each of us say, what might I give of my time and of my prayers, especially my prayers, and of my money to help make this vision come true so that in a year's time, there will be people who know Jesus because of what we give today. There'll be families that will have been blessed who would otherwise be broken because of what we give today. There'll be advances for the kingdom because of what we give today. That's what we're living for because Jesus is alive. So, Bill, over to you. Um, let's get the band back up. Let's just... Um, position ourselves and just be ready to listen to the Lord. I, I, um, I spoke to Pete the, um, the other day. He phoned and, and I just been, as, we'd been, as I've been praying for today, um, I really sensed the Lord, well, the Lord kept saying the same thing. I'm, I'm a little slow sometimes. He said, I said, Lord, what are you wanting to do? What, what should our response be? And he said, open eyes, broken hearts. And I said, I don't understand what that means. And he said, open eyes, broken hearts. And um, the more I thought about that and the more I sort of pressed in, I, I felt him say, open eyes, because otherwise this is just another place to go. It's just another bunch of people. But when the Lord opens our eyes, we begin to see 
the way that he sees. We begin to see um, people the way that he sees people. Woking is close to his heart. And for some of us this morning, he's going to open our eyes. We're going to see um, with his eyes uh, woking. And some of us, um, we're going to have our hearts broken. Now, having our hearts broken doesn't mean we all just cry. Some people may cry, and that may be you. Your heart may be broken, you may respond that way. But for many people, when their hearts are broken, it, it leads to action. Love is a verb, not an adjective. And as your heart is broken, you say, I will go. That is going to be where we will worship. That's going to be where we're going to invest our our lives in reaching the people that God has laid on our hearts. Broken hearts mean we, we say, Lord, our heart is broken and we will give. We will invest our, our time. We'll, in, we'll pray like we've never prayed before. Broken hearts means we will give money even when it costs us because our hearts have been broken by our eyes having been opened. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us that God would open our eyes and that he would break our hearts. And then what I'm going to suggest you do is you just spend some time and ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Does he want you to, to invest in prayer here in working? Does he, is he asking you? Is he inviting you? It's always an invitation. It's, is he inviting you? to pray? Is he inviting you to serve on a team to get involved practically? Or is he inviting you to give some of his money back to him? Whenever I hear that, I always think, goodness, he's gonna, maybe he's going to ask me to give more. You know what? I was talking to um, someone this morning who said, actually, this one time, God told them to give less and to, to pray more. What's important is, is that you hear from the Lord for yourself. And if you're here with somebody else, uh, maybe you share a bank account with them, why don't you pray? The fun thing is, amazing thing is, sometimes people pray, two different people pray on their own, and God gives the two people the same number. Or maybe he says to both people, I want you to pray more. Or maybe he says, I want you to both get involved in this team. So I'm going to invite the Spirit of God to speak to us and then we're going to respond. There's a basket that's going to be on the stage. And um, once we've had a little bit of time to hear from the Lord, I invite you to come and to, to, to put your pledges in the basket. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you, Lord, that you want to open our eyes. Lord, you want us to see people and places the way that you do. Thank you, Father, that you want to break our hearts with the things that break your heart. So, Lord, would you come now? Would you speak to us? Would you open our eyes? Would you break our hearts? Would you give us strategies for prayer? Would you speak to us about being on teams and Lord would you give us figures for money come Holy Spirit and speak to each one of us